Well, we put them in a spreadsheet and we, at the end of the year, highlight in green, orange, or red, the parts of each goal that we've either achieved or kind of achieved or not at all achieved. So it's really helpful to go back in time and sort of see where you are shooting a little too high or going a little too easy on yourself. So we've, we've done very well in the biology category this year, and we've done very well in the mission category this year. And last year, you mean? Last year, last year. And, yeah. really sort of and then we did abysmally in the career category. Yeah. So, um, would you like to know more? Hello, Simone. It is wonderful to be here with you today. I am very excited. So a lot of people might be surprised in the book. We said that we had planned to have Future Day on New Year's Eve. Like, why haven't we done a Future Day? <laughs> you see more Future Day stuff. It's because we actually decided to. This is the first year we're doing a full test run of this, you know, with all the decorations and everything and the kids being old enough to remember it, to push it back into later in January. You know, a whole month thing. I mean, like, Christmas basically is a whole month thing. You know, you get the decorations for a whole month, or if not more, right? If this is our most important and favorite holiday, then it deserves some time. Yeah. So we wanted to give it a bit more time, but I think talking more about traditional New Year's type things, traditional New Year's resolutions, mm. and just sort of the way that we personally keep track of if we are where we want to be in life, yeah. because I think it's unique and it is highly efficacious. And it's something that I was taught to do from a young age. But I think that you developed a very similar system completely in parallel to me. Huh. And it's played a large part in us being able to get to where we are in life. Yeah, so no, we'll do I, that, both been very we'll systematic. Also, yeah, we'll also go over our own New Year's resolutions this year while checking in on where we were last year. So the key to doing this, the key to, to handling New Year's resolutions is to divide them into categories. Mm -hmm. And these categories are tied to, well, I could just go through the three big categories we have of resolutions, mm -hmm. which helps us think, you know, in a one-year time frame, a five-year time frame, and a 10-year time frame, where we want to be with each of these issues, okay? Exactly. Yes. So one is what we call biology. Uh, this category is tied to our biological success. So this is health. This is relationships. Uh, and this is children. So the biology category, if you are in high school, for example, is likely going to be learning to date, learning to interact with other people in a way that's going to be useful to you when you are looking for a spouse and, and some level of health. But like, you really don't need to go overboard with the health aspect of this when you are young, so long as you aren't like addicted to something. I don't um, know. Like when I was young, obviously I was starving myself to the point of like, oh, she's probably going to die. So like my early biological goals in my spreadsheet, which I can see because I've been keeping track of this in a spreadsheet, were like, you know, maintain this healthy weight range. Please don't die. That kind of thing. And so there's, yeah. you know, it could be like if you have, you know, are trying, like you're a wrestler and you're trying to get into certain like weight classes or, you know, you're trying to be able to lift a certain amount of weight. Those are all very common. And I think this is among the most like mainstream of goals to have biological goals. Like I want to weigh this amount. I want to be able to run a marathon. I want to be able to play with my kids without being in pain, that kind of thing. And keep in mind, a key thing about your biological goals is every biological goal that you have should have some level of utility and not be a vanity goal. 
So when it comes to something like weight <laughs> ranges, this can be very useful for partner attraction, and this mm -hmm. can be very useful for uh, uh, long-term health, you know, being yeah. able to achieve other life goals. This is less true when it comes to something like I want to work out more or something like that, right? Like there is a level well, of exercise. that's not like super measurable, right? So it's not perfect either. Well, it is to some extent, but like like the, the, the level to which a person is working out, for example, there is some level of muscle which is of utility in terms of attracting the partner, mm -hmm. but it is a fairly low amount. Like as soon as you get above a fairly low threshold, at that point, you're really only getting an advantage with people with a specific fetish around this. Or at least a, a discernible advantage when compared to other tasks which move you further towards your actual life goals. Well, same um, with weightlifting or any other exercise for health and longevity. Like there are diminishing marginal returns and sometimes even growing liabilities after certain levels of excess. It, but it also helps you with ideas like, I want to have sex with this many people. Like if you're a young person, you might think that could be a goal within this category. Mm -hmm. And that is likely not going to be of significant utility to you in finding a partner and may even decrease your possibility of securing mm -hmm. a good partner. Mm -hmm. So everything you do as a youth in terms of this this category of the goal should be in terms of of, of training and improving, improving your quality on the marriage market and improving your ability to navigate the market of long-term partners. So that's how we, we look at that. Now, do you want to go over our goals this past year around health? Uh, <laughs> sure. Okay, yeah, well, I mean... we won't go too deep, but I can, I can give you some examples here. So we had a kid, you know, we, we'll be trying for another kid soon, but other ways you can, you can organize these goals is I want to get this many embryos extracted by this date. Because yeah, I'll like definitely our past goals have been like bank this many embryos while we're this age so that we can have the number of kids that we want to be able to have this year though. It's not just that it's, I mean, obviously it's like have our fourth child, you know, safely and, you know, successfully, which involves investing in, you know, not doing unhealthy stuff right now and then investing in a newborn properly. But we're also planning on returning to getting CT scans every other year. We work with a company, Ezra. They are great. We know the founder and they basically, do so much more than like your typical general practitioner is going to do. I want to do a really full... promote this company. If yeah. you're listening to this half-heartedly, pay attention to this part. It could save your life. Yeah, actually, we said we we know friends who've gotten CT scans for other purposes, and we're fortunate enough that the technician looking at like whatever was you know the primary issue, they got that prescribed, and they were like, oh, noticed a you know, weird blotch here, you should get this biopsied. And then they end up in cancer treatment and they end up cancer free because it was detected really early. So the reason why people take these preemptive and not covered by insurance, typically CT scans is what Ezra does, for example, is normally you get like a CT scan, the technician or doctor is only really going to look at like the one area they're supposed to look at, you know, just to make sure, you know, they know what's going on and, and diagnose or prescribe, whatever around that thing. What the Ezra team does is they get your CT scan, they do a detailed analysis, and then they tell you all about what they see. And, you know, they'll tell you innocuous stuff and they'll also tell you serious stuff. So when they did my last one, they could tell that I was congested that day. They could tell that I just had egg retrieval procedure because they could see the like sort of ruptured, like, I don't know the right words, like egg sacs, like around my ovaries. So like, I mean, the level of detail there, we don't tell them any of this. So they're looking literally at everything, you know, inch by inch. 
Yeah, the most common thing you're going to get coming out of an Ezra scan, if, you, if, if you're lucky and you don't have any issues, although <clears throat> say the luck of catching early stage cancer is extreme. Catching yeah. early stage cancer is literally the difference between life and death for a lot of people. 100%. So you go to an Ezra scan, one of the most common things is, and this has happened too because we suggest my brother and his wife did it and they did it as well and this happened to them, is they'll be like, oh, you probably have a weird pain in your neck when you do this sometimes or something mm -hmm. like that. And they'll say this like, oh, you probably have a weird pain that occasionally happens here. And I'll be like, I've had that pain my entire life. Now I know exactly why. <laughs> now, the most important thing about Ezra, because you've likely been hearing all this and are like, I can't afford this. Ezra scans are around $1,500, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I, I can double check that. Um, so for like the base level scan, it's like $1,500. And the clinics for them exist in most major US cities. So we are increasingly moving to a world where so much of our healthcare needs to be taken ourselves. Like going to doctors for us has basically become pointless since AI has come out. We almost always get better advice from AI than we do from a doctor. And doctors are really just used to order tests and prescriptions at this point. If you are doing this sort oh, of like- Oh, and sorry, it's not, a, it's not a CT scan. I mean, you can get a CT scan. An MRI. Right, but an MRI, because you don't want to do too much CT. They say it's a five minute low dose CT scan, but still like you don't want to do that. So it's actually 1950 for the full body CT scan. It does not include your lungs. So you Did have to you pay- MRI scan or are you confusing the words again? For a full body MRI. And then for the full body MRI and CT scan that includes your lungs, it's 2,500. So this is very- it's very expensive, but you can also pay monthly. You're talking like $1,900 or something like that. And you're doing this once every five years or something. Especially um, when you're younger. I mean, they encourage like, you know, I, I mean, I want to do it once every year for both of us once we hit 40 or maybe 50, depending on where we are financially, because, you know, my mom died of cancer and it was detected so late. That's why she died <clears> of it. You know, had she had access to something like this, it would have been found so early. It would have been taken care of, not an issue, you know, like- yeah. So, so this is a, if you've if you got nothing from this today's episode, do check out Ezra, have it on your, your radar. If you're young, it's something to do once and then you may not need to do it again for another decade. But if you are older, it can make sense to invest in doing this more frequently. And, and when you talk about this cost, you know, Simone, you're looking at something and you're like, this is a thousand nine hundred dollars. It's like, that's a lot. But the difference in terms of cost of medical care, when you look at how much medical care costs in this country, is going to be astounding catching something early versus catching it late. I might even have a discount code link. If I do, Malcolm, can I send it to you and you can put it in the comments? Absolutely, it has yeah. Ten percent off or something. They also have a couples package, so I think the couples package is an even deeper discount. So if you're married, get that. And if not, I think I have a discount link. You can always just ask the founder. We know him, and we're promoting him on an episode. Yeah, no, I, I at least have a referral link for 150 off and I can ask him right. if he can give more. So yeah, we'll find out because like anything that takes money on this. All right. We did manage to wrangle you guys a discount code from him. You can get $200 off with the discount code BASED and that's all capital. So B-A-S-E-D and then the letters 200, so 200. So it's B-A-S-E-D 200. And that should get you $200 off, which is a pretty decent discount. 
So <laughs> now that we're done promoting another product that we think has oh, value, God. sorry, um, uh, like that. You know, we don't do ads, but uh, if, if we can save somebody's life, who's one of our watchers, you know, that's a nice thing to do. Yeah, no, seriously, we've introduced friends to this, and and they've been like, then they're telling everyone about it because it's, yeah. yeah. And we, and I also like have in our biological goal for this year to start doing that whole. Peter Atia thing where you get detailed blood work and then you start sort of adjusting your diet, lifestyle, and maybe supplement regimen based on that. Because I just, I've been so frustrated by doctors and general practitioners recently where like, if they're a specialist, obviously, like if you're being treated by, you know, a, an oncologist mm -hmm. for a very specific thing, like, yes, they really know what they're doing. When I go in and I get a C-section, you know, the people who are doing that work are just stellar, you know, but then I'll hear from like a random nurse or a physician's assistant, you know, like, oh, you know, I heard blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, where did you hear that? Like, I'd love to look up the study. And they're like, no, I heard it on this Facebook group for moms. And I'm like, oh, you're treating me. You're just, you're just dosing me with medicine. Oh my God. And, and just like missing really key things. And that you and I have found so many more solutions through like use of chat GPT than actual well, like doctor visits. And this brings me to another lifesaver that might be a lifesaver to one of our audience members. So I, I will mention it. If any of you deal with addiction to alcohol, look up the Sinclair method. It is, it, it can be an absolute lifesaver. You don't need to quit alcohol to, to go off alcohol with it, to go off like extreme amounts of alcohol, which makes it very different from other mechanisms of quitting. Mm -hmm. And it, it is very, very, it's effective in 80% of people. Basically it, it's, it appears to be effective in everyone who is addicted for purely biological reasons, as opposed to there's some sort of externality or lifestyle reason for the addiction. No, um, ask covering. We're not doctors. We're not giving medical advice. We're not giving yeah, investment not doctors, advice. Not giving medical advice. <laughs> and the Sinclair method is next to illegal in the United States. Yeah, um, basically. Yeah. Why, yes, why is that? So because naltrexone, the medication that accompanies it, is, is <clears throat> known for being a little bit hard on the liver. And of course, who is really at risk? Of, of having, you know, a liver that doesn't need any more stress. Well, alcoholics, right? You know, so doctors in the U.S. are typically like, well, I'm not going to give you medication that is going to put your liver under more strain if you're already having trouble with drinking, which is like ridiculous because, okay, well, so they're going to drink themselves to death. They're like, you know. <laughs> yeah. And it also can work with things like porn addictions and stuff like that, if that's a major problem that you're dealing with. The only type of addiction I know it really doesn't seem to work for is nicotine addictions, because the pathway is a little different for nicotine addictions, and it doesn't work on that pathway as well. Yeah, but uh, raw not, saying, hypothetically, this may be a true thing. Well, what's, no. the, how, what's the Amazon documentary? There's on Amazon Prime, there's a One documentary. Little pill? One Little Pill. Yeah, check that out. Don't, don't yeah, listen um, to us. Just watch that. Yeah, yeah. So... Let's go to the next category of things that we focus on every year. This category is career, hmm. which, you know, when you're younger, these are things like your grades. This is school. This is getting into a good university. Hmm. When you're our age, it's about setting up income streams, but also about managing your investment portfolio. Everything tied to having a stable source of income and, and expanding that source of income. So this is just 100% like your broader income goals. 
And this is really important for me to split out into its own category, because in this world where everyone's like, well, your passion should be your job or something like that. Well, even if that's true, that is not a reason to stop focusing on your, your finances and stuff like that, as well as investments, debt, economic opportunities, separating this out at the beginning of every year and being like, what economic opportunities are available to me this year? And these can be independent entrepreneurial endeavors. These can be uh, tied to your personal investment portfolio. These can be even how you engage with your community sometimes, you know, are really important. And it, and it matters. Another air, like branch of this when you have kids is how am I going to manage childcare? Because, you know, this becomes a very important financial question and one of the most important financial questions where it can be, there's many creative solutions to it. And I think the only realistic solutions for large families anymore are the creative solutions. Yeah. One thing that we forgot to mention in the biology category, child education also falls in the biology category for us. By that, what I mean is effective child education, i.e. are your children hitting their developmental <clears throat> milestones? Have you been checking that they're hitting their developmental milestones? Right. Are you aware of what you broadly need to do to educate them and to help right. them to thrive that year? Like, are the kids um, healthy? Yeah. And so this often involves just checking in, like, have I done the research on this, you know, and taking an inventory of all of these things can be very useful in terms of a, have I done the research recently, you know, where am I, has time gotten away from me? But unless um, like really special emphasis is needed, we don't make goals into those, like the reasons why we have Ezra scans, blood work on, on our goals for this year is that there are things that we are, they're not part of our routine now, that these are new additions that we want to make routine. So I would look at it that way. Like, obviously, every day of your life, you should be working on these like major aspects that we're discussing in terms of goal categories. But when it comes to setting like New Year's resolutions, like a new goal for the year, it should be how are you going to augment that particular sphere of your life? Yeah. And that's the point of resolutions. And that's the point of approaching goal setting like this. <laughs> It is, it, is, it is an opportunity where if you build a ritual around this, you know, as we do as Future Day or as some people do with some forms of, of New Year celebrations, then you force yourself to revisit your daily habits because so much of life can just become a, a, a chain of daily habits. And we can remember, oh, I need to interrupt this habit because it is specifically negative in this way, or I need to interrupt this habit because it has this effect, right? Mm -hmm. So we can become overly focused on specific daily habits while forgetting to take inventory of all of the different categories of daily habits that we need to revisit. Mm -hmm. um, which is, which is really important. And it's why we structure things this way, as well as to think about where do, where do I end up in five years if I'm keeping these daily habits and with career, this can be really important. You know, if you're working at something like a large company, you can predict, are you actually going to get a promotion if you're doing what you're doing today, every day for the next five years? If not, then you may need to rethink, you know, keeping a job, for example, can be a bad habit in a way it, it can prevent you from looking for other economic opportunities well uh, yeah you have to think about how likely you are to be laid off Lay layoffs of even very high qualified like mm -hmm. you know you would think high value people are more common today than ever it seems so yeah and, and, and with the career pathway we always sort of divide our career and i think into three categories one is sort of the investment and investment opportunity category which we treat pretty uniquely because sometimes we will use investments 
to secure the second category, which is stable long-term income. And this can be surprising to people. Stable long-term income, they're like, what, what do you mean by that? Well, sometimes if you do, for example, an early stage venture capital investment in somebody, that venture capital investment isn't just to ensure that you know the, the, the actual capital I have in their company expands, but it is also to open the door in terms of getting a job at that company if, if you know, shit ever hits the fan for us. And we, we do this a lot with individuals where I will make an investment in something they're working on, um, both in order to gain some equity, but also to keep the door open a bit in case I need a career path there or introductions there. So that's this one thing to think about in terms of how you make investments. This can also be relevant. So, so in, in terms of like child rearing or something like that, you know, in terms of investing in setting up your own school or setting up your own daycare as a way to ultimately lower the overall costs of childcare or investing in helping somebody else set that up. Now, the second category is, is, is sort of stable income streams. These are going to be, you know, your office job or other terms of stable income streams. And I do believe that a person should always have at least one stable income stream for a family unit. And then the final one is moonshots. And moonshots are entrepreneurial ventures or other things that could have a huge outsized impact. And I think when you're dealing with a couple, you should have your stable thing and then some sort of outside thing operating or, or being attempted at all times. And then if you were going to create a final category that were Work for some people, and we do this sometimes, I would call them hustles. So these are mm -hmm. short-term opportunities. Like one area where we're looking at potentially getting involved this year is helping investing in a friend um, and, and helping with sort of the online part of this for him, buying used cars and then doing them up like van life cars and flipping them because, you know, interesting economic opportunity right now. And and yeah, so that's that's how I would handle anything else you talk about in terms of the, the career side of things. Well, because it has to do with stable income, just and you mentioned investment savings can also be a part of that, which is also a really common form of new year's resolution. So well, and insurance, I'd say is an <clears throat> important part of this to revisit when you go through this savings this. insurance, like maxing out tax deductible savings accounts, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Definitely. If it's not part of your existing habits, that something you might want to add. And then the next category, yeah. probably the, the next category is, potentially the most important one, and this is mission. This is what, what, how will my life matter? Like what, like, am, am I living in a way that is efficacious and will have whatever sort of impact I value? So if you go back to like our Pragmatist Guide to Life series, the very first book that we wrote, you know, we take a very disinterested, we're like, you know, you get to choose why you exist as an individual. You know, now we have more firm beliefs about this, but if we're just even going back to this sort of broad, very, very open idea around this, right? If you have chosen why you exist, like if you have chosen why it matters to continue existing into tomorrow, then you have some uh, reason for being. And this reason for being should be a big part of what you're doing every year. I'd say it should be about a third of what you're doing every year. Now, for some people, they're blessed enough to be able to loop that into income streams for them. We have never taken that pathway. I've always thought that that's uh, really dangerous to do. And it, and it can lead to perversion of a person's mission, where when their mission also becomes their source of income, then, you know, whether it's donors or other sorts of funders begins to corrupt and pervert an individual's mission and exactly. you can get much more 
you know, audience capture, as they call it, right? But not just audience capture, but all sorts of like, and then you begin to convince yourself that whatever you need to do for your economic situation is what you actually believe. And then it begins to really corrupt your internal ideology, like when outside capital is corrupting individuals like that. But it's like um, a really big bugaboo of ours that like many people are like, oh, I want to start a nonprofit. And we're like, oh, you know, like how much are you raising and what are you raising for? They're like, oh, you know, just enough to like cover my salary. So it's like, oh, so, so you want, you want someone to pay for you to do this thing that you care about, but then you're going to have to be focused entirely on getting people to pay you to do that again when the money runs out. And then you're going to become focused on that and not on actually solving the problem that you care about. It's because raising money is actually pretty hard. If it, it is, it is easier to have a, a, I would say a side entrepreneurial venture that makes money than it is to go out and beg for yeah, money. And then you just donate person. to your own. Nonprofit. It's just a different mindset around this. Not mm -hmm. that we, you know, wouldn't benefit from donations and we don't have donations in our nonprofit, but we, for example, to give an idea of how much we care about our mission, this was actually recorded in the Telegraph piece on us because they looked at our finances to confirm this. Around 45% of our yearly income goes to our nonprofit, or at least that year it did. So we, we put a lot of our personal money into our philanthropic, I guess you could call it, I call it mission-based. I don't like philanthropy because philanthropy is often used for personal vanity. Whereas we believe, you know, we have a reason to exist in something that gives our lives purpose that they wouldn't have if we were not spending a huge chunk of our internal effort on these goals. And you guys, this channel right here that you are watching, you know, the reason you're getting an episode every weekday of this is because that is how important this mission is to us reaching this community is to us and and but it's the same you know it's not just this you know we're also working on the school really hard it's it's really coming together anybody who wants to play any sort of help in that but you know uh, something that we could really use on the school is people who have domain expertise to review those parts of the skill tree although it's mostly firmed up at this point so you wouldn't have as much impact as you would have before the other thing that we're working on is improving the channel's quality. Uh, you might've noticed that the video quality, I think it's hopefully gonna get a bit better. It turned out it wasn't the camera's problem, it was the computer's problem. So we switched out computers. So we're, we're always working, like where can we improve this? The other area is press. So we do a ton of press outreach. One of the things I'm trying to commit to this year is to do more op-eds. You know, we've done some op-eds before, I think Wall Street Journal, I don't know, I can't remember where we did an op-ed. New, 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 <laughs> New York Post. Yeah. I mean, we're gonna do mm. one for, anyway. Yeah, so we do we do op-eds and stuff. So I want to do more of that. I also want to try to get some sort of feature length thing done on us this past year. We spent about half the year trying to get a documentary made about us. Not us. Like a, we were in contracts with a documentary team that was pitching us to various studios. They had some bites, but they ran into issues. And so we're looking at potentially switching out the team that we're working on. Now basically, um, the more coverage we can get for demographic collapse and pronatalism, and also like demographic collapse and pronatalism in a context that we don't think is toxic is yeah. really, really, really important to us because so many of the other solutions, like we keep saying, are just like, oh, so let's just either like insert super impractical solution that's not going to work here or like let's remove people's reproductive rights or let's just, you know, stop educating women and take away their rights. Like it just... The solutions that are otherwise yeah. being posed are terrible and we really, really, really want to contribute to like people's understanding of the problem and solutions that work. So that is another really big goal. Yeah. Like our two really big mission driven goals are raise awareness about demographic collapse and realistic solutions to demographic collapse and 
get the school live in incremental bits. Building a realistic alternative to the public education system. And then we have the final big project of the year, which is you running for office, which yes. is for us, you know, a large part of it is about understanding <clears throat> how the political process really works, which will allow us to more competently interact with it in the future, because it is something that we're going to have to be able to uh, manipulate and push in specific directions to achieve our goals around demographic collapse and around the educational system. Yeah, um, like our odds of winning in the district we're in are actually pretty low because it, it leans pretty democratic and I'm running as a Republican, but we'll learn so much that we can then scale to other people's campaigns or maybe you running for office someday. I think, you, well, I, I think that we could go either way. It really depends on what's happening on the, on the top ticket. I think it's, it's, it's almost out of our control. Yeah. It's it, but we're, we'll put the effort in because everybody knows we always go overboard whenever we're doing something like people who have gone to the skill tree I've made for the school. They're like, Whoa, this is so much more in depth and so much larger than I had any expectation of what you were creating. Like this is actually an outline of like all human knowledge period. And I'm like, yes, that was my goal. A big web of all human knowledge that can help our kids improve. So this is another area where, you know, we're helping our kids improve, but also hopefully making a really high quality education system accessible to people at a dramatically lower cost than you would see otherwise. So if you don't know, like in, in terms of a mission, if you like, are like, I don't know why I'm alive, right? Like, Read The Pragmatist Guide to Life. It really doesn't try to push you in any one direction. If you look at us, you know, we have some crazy ideas about things. It doesn't include any of that, it, it, except that, you know, you should likely structure your life around whatever you think has value. But I think that that's something that would be pretty obvious to most people. Hmm. So it can help you there. If you're like, I know what has value in life, but I don't know how I can contribute it, then I would suggest some blue sky thinking, particularly with somebody who you trust. So this means, you know, sit down and think, what are the areas where I can contribute the most to the, the difference I want to see in the world with an understanding that the way that you apply yourself within these areas has arbitrage. Uh, by that, what I mean is even if you think like environmentalism is a big issue and the environment is a big issue, everyone's doing that. Like, <laughs> in fact, I say, if you think like 90% the world's problem in the future is the environment, 10% the world's problem in the future is pernatalism. If you look at the amount of funding and the amount of, of, of competent manpower going into pernatalism versus going into the environment, you would probably still be better off going into pernatalism as a cause area. And people have come to us, they're like, I value pernatalism. Like, what can I do? I'm like, literally it's wide open. Like one person was like a student. I was like, you could create a network of student groups in this area. Like try to create a group on your local college campus and then spread that network out. No one's doing that right now. We we help people. No, you didn't decide to do it because a lot of people, when they say like, I want to do something in a space, what they really mean is, I don't know, they, they just want to be validated or something. They don't mean I actually want to take on some big task, but that's really what, what unfortunately is needed with a lot of these things is actually taking on these tasks. But what's beneficial, especially if you're a male, but, but uh, I think to a lesser extent, if you're a female is when you're younger, you're like, well, I don't want to be focusing on this stuff right now when I need to be out there finding a wife, when I need to be out there getting a girlfriend. It is the things that you believe have value in this world that you dedicate yourself to and you have passion for that will secure you a high quality partner. Yeah, totally. I'd say just always when I found a really high quality woman who was interested in me, you know, they are... 
the women who just like want to go out there and sleep with people and then end up who they're marrying because it was somebody they wanted to sleep with are generally not the type of women who you want to end up marrying. The women who are like, you are doing something that I personally find inspirational and I want to be a part of, and I want to be a part of your life because of the things that you're working on and because of the passion you have for them. Those are the women who become really, really great wives. And it's the same with men. You know, if, if you're a woman and you're working on something that has a lot of passion. However, I often see the, the opposite here, which is really interesting. And it's just a phenomenon you often see where when I see high potentiality women who don't have a partner yet, and I'm like, well, you know, you could go out there and work on all these sorts of cause areas. They're often like, but I'm going to be honest here. I really just want to find a guy who inspires me with whatever he's working on so mm -hmm. I can dedicate myself to that. And a lot of women feel this way. And I think that a lot of guys, when they're out there and they're using like these red pill tactics or whatever, they are missing this. <laughs> they are entirely missing that there's this giant pool of girls out there desperate for a guy that just inspires them so that they can put all of this effort that they had toward wanting to do something meaningful with their lives towards bolstering that other person's mission. But mm. no one has come to them selling them a mission. Guys have come to them selling them their body or selling them, I don't know, negging or something like that, right? Or selling them dominance when that's not what they're interested in, what they're interested in is a mission that they can help contribute to. And historically, everybody knew that this is how you dated. Like if you go, if you go historically, that mission was often like their religion or their, their, you know, a, a, a cultural way of life or something like that. But yeah, you know, it's obvious historically speaking, we just forgot about this because a lot of people have been optimizing how they secure long-term partners with how they sit off of, off of techniques that are effective in securing short-term, often sexual partners, because those techniques are easier to test and easier to see in efficacious scenarios, uh, because these partners, this is just something that happens much easier. And it's a much lower barrier to succeed in. Hmm. Um, so that is how we divide up our yearly goals and, and any parting words you would have Simone? Well, we also put them in a spreadsheet and we, at the end of the year, highlight in green, orange, or red, the parts of each goal that we've either achieved or kind of achieved or not at all achieved. So it's really helpful to go back in time and sort of see where you are shooting a little too high or going a little too easy on yourself. So we've, we've done very well in the biology category this year, and we've done very well in the mission category this year. And last year, you mean? Last year, last year. And, yeah. really sort of and then we did abysmally in the career category. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. So, you know, it, this helps us think about where we reset things, where we think more about how we can do better in, in those areas. Yep. And then I would also add that I, so these are like our shared goals independently and personally, I have also a behavioral goal every year and a lifestyle goal every year that is just totally for me and not related to me. Talk a little about that because people don't understand what you mean by that. Yeah. So behavioral goals is like, well, what is a, a habit that you want to start enacting behaviorally, behaviorally? Like what is, what is something that you do or a way that you react to things that is not optimal or what is something you, you wish you did or a way that you wish you reacted What's to things? What's your behavioral goal this year? My behavioral goal is to focus instead of on like things that stress me out on making you and the kids happy. So... <sighs> Like every every week to do something nice. You're doing a spectacular you. job. And you got this horrible flu <laughs> right now. You, she is barely alive right now, and yet she's <laughs> yeah. On I'm on day eight of pneumonia, and I feel like I'm going to die, which is not good. But yeah, like so. But I think focusing instead on 
how can I make you and the kids happy has actually made this an easier period of intense and very painful sickness. So I think that's a good goal so far. And then in terms of lifestyle, that's much more like aesthetic and hedonistic. Like, you know, like one of my lifestyle goals from like a long time ago was like, get my own bedroom. Like I just wanted my own bedroom <laughs> so badly. And I did. And another one was <clears throat> like when we really hated living in Miami was, you know, get our headquarters moved out of Miami to anywhere, anywhere. And we did. So and what's your goal for this year? Um, this year it is to get rid of stuff, something every week. <clears throat> yeah. To like have something non-trivial that I've removed from our house every week because with three and soon four kids, the amount of accumulation of stuff that we have is deeply disturbing, <laughs> deeply disturbing. You, you, I, I love how ordered you are about all this. And I would encourage anyone who's doing this to do it on a one, five and lifetime timescale. You can also add a 10 year timescale in there hmm. in terms of thinking about how the various projects you're looking at will, will play out. Oh, and where you really like there's spreadsheet. I have like anticipated goals for the future. I do. Yeah. Like where, you know, like, like, you know, have, have kid five, have, you know, frozen embryo transfer kid five, have kid five, you know, move like biannual CT scans to, or sorry, MRIs to annual MRIs, all sorts of things like that. Like get colonoscopy screening screenings when we're, when we're older, you know, like, like these are things that we, there are goals that are appropriate for certain times in life. And they are definitely changes in our habits that we should remember to not forget because I think a lot of people like they hit age, you know, like for example, whatever age you hit where you're supposed to start getting an annual colonoscopy and then people miss that and then they don't do it. And then it becomes a big thing. And yeah, anyway, so yeah, I would say definitely keep a record of all your past goals, but then like outline anticipated future goals. And the really cool thing is if you're like, yeah, in 10 years, like I want to start my own business or I want to be, you know, this kind of person, you know, you can, you can set that as a milestone for that year. And then it'll get you thinking like, well, then what do I have to achieve in the years leading up to that to get there? And it may help you get more inspiration for your Im imminent goals. And one goal I would love to have for my brother is I'd love his, his little app to take off. So if anyone is interested, you can get it on the uh, Chrome web extension store. It's called Bunbox, like bunny box. Bunbox, B-U-N box. Um, and it uh, set, uh, has an AI that automatically summarizes your emails and can automatically reply to your emails. And uh, it's free. And you just need to remember to, after you install the widget, to click it and activate it. And uh, anyway, Simone, I've had a fantastic day talking to you. Love you, Malcolm. Love you too.